Welcome to the Moment of Truth Bible Baptist Church, where we're hearing sermons from our pastor, Philip Koontz. This sermon is entitled, The Father, and was preached on June 21st of 2020. And of course, we invite you to visit us here at 310 Randolph Road in Kansas City, Missouri, just outside of Claycomo. Worship service is at 11 a.m., and of course, Sunday school at 9.30. Once again, here is our pastor, Philip Koontz, with The Father. To the book of 1 John, chapter 3. This is actually uh, somewhat of a long read, so if you can't stand up, I, I do completely understand. It's 1 John, chapter 3, the whole chapter. I'm joking about that. It's actually 1 John, chapter 3, verse 1 through 10. And it says this. Consider how much love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now are we children of God, and it has not yet been revealed, but we shall be, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself, just as he is pure. Whoever practices sin breaks the law, for sin is lawlessness. You know that he was revealed to take away our sins. And in him there is no sin. Whoever remains in him does not sin. Whoever sins has not seen him and does not know him little children let no one deceive you the one who does righteousness is righteous just as christ is righteous whoever practices sin is of the devil for the devil has been sinning from the beginning for this purpose the son of god was revealed that he might destroy the works of the devil Whoever has been born of God does not practice sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. And this, the children of God and the children of the devil are revealed. Whoever does not live in righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. God bless and honor the reading of his word, and you may be seated. Now, I know that was a little bit longer than I usually read. Happy Father's Day, once again. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to you fathers, especially. To you fathers. All of us have a father. But to you fathers, I say Happy Father's Day. I was very blessed with a wonderful father. I said him, I talk about him quite a bit, and I should. Not only was he the founding pastor of this church, he was a good man. I spoke about him last week because he was a man who was a chaplain around this area in, in Clay Como, but he was a good man. Good man. My daddy. My dad. Old Bean, I called him. He was my old Bean. I loved him. Loved him very much. You know, we had a lot in common. A lot, lot in common. Uh, good looking. Uh, no, you shouldn't laugh at that. When you speak truth, you should say amen. No, I'm just joking. I'm joking. But in all reality, we both loved the Lord very much. 
He raised me to follow God. He raised me in a lot of ways. We had a lot of things in common. One of the things we had in common was our favorite TV show. He raised me to like the Andy Griffith show. This is why I'm wearing this tie today. I'm wearing this tie today in honor of him. I bought this as the first time I get to watch it. I get to wear it. Watch it. In my mind, I'm watching it. Oh, Aunt B. No, I'm, I'm watching this. Uh, I'm wearing this, this tie in honor of my dad. It was our favorite show. He reminded me of Andy in a lot of ways. He had a lot in common. Both have Southern accents. They both, uh, well, they, they work for the law in a way. At least Andy Taylor did, and my dad, him being the chaplain and all. They both had certain uh, physical attributes that remind me of each other, uh, ears and all. But that being said, I won't say too much about that. My mom will get on me for that one. No, the fact of the matter is, is uh, they're both good folks. Both Christians, too, incidentally. Also, on the show, uh, Andy uh, Taylor had a son that he raised to follow morals. And actually, I have a book, which I'm going to use here on Wednesday nights at some point. Uh, about how they follow morals, certain episodes about biblical morals. I love that on that show, the biblical morals. My father raised me and my brothers and my sisters to follow biblical morals. My dad taught me to follow the ways of the Lord. That's what he taught me to do. So I follow my father even now, though he's not with me here on this earth. I still hear him every day. Because when you're raised by your father, you can hear your father even when he's not physically with you. You can hear him. I hear him all the time. In fact, when I go to, to do something here, say, uh, hmm, son, I can hear him. I hear him. Anyone hear their loved ones who help them? You still hear him? I do all the time. But I follow my father's footsteps because he followed the father. And that's the title of today's sermon, The Father. I happen to know that if you were raised to follow the father, you're following the father still. Many people do not continue to follow the Father, and that's their own choice because you can make your own choice. But if you've been raised to follow the Father by your Father, then that's what you should continue to do. And we're going to talk about that today. Is God everyone's Father? I spoke about this before. In fact, I believe it was last year I spoke about it a little bit. But is God everyone's Father? This is something that people always assume, yes, God's everyone's Father. Well, actually, no, he's not. Not everyone's Father. He is everyone's creator. I mentioned this before. He's everyone's creator. He's not everyone's father. He's not everyone's father. This is not a popular thing to say to people. People don't like to say that. They like to say, no, pastor, he's everyone's father. He's everyone's father. Well, that's a real popular thing to say. They even like to take a scripture, and they find a scripture, and they read it, and they uh, it's misconstrued. It's misunderstood. It's misquoted, and I'll, I'm not even going to read it to you. Keep your eye on it because we're going to read a couple of verses with it, and that is the book of Ephesians, book of Ephesians, chapter four, verse six, which says this one God and father of all who is above all and through all and in all this is taken out of context. But pastor, it says right there, he's the father of all. So that's what it means. He's everyone's father. Yeah, no, no, I'm taking, I'm accepting it. I'm going to use it. Yeah, but that's not what it's saying. You can take it out of context. You know, you can say all sorts of things. But if it doesn't mean that, the definition is not that. That's not what it is. So let's read that whole thing. He's talking to the people who are following the Lord God. He's talking to those who are saved. And he says this in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4 through verse 6. He says, there is one body, talking about those who are saved, there is one body and one spirit, Holy Spirit, just as you were called to one hope and your calling. One salvation, okay? Okay, so it goes on to say in verse 5, one Lord, one faith, 
one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in all. Just one way to heaven. He's talking about there's only one God, one God, one who created all. There's one. That's what he's talking about. So again, I say God created all. He loves all. And he sent his son to die for all so he could be the father of all if they only accept him. So, yes, is he the father of all? No. Could he be? Yes, if they would only accept him. I wish the case was that everybody was my brother or sister in Christ. I wish. I really do. I got a big heart. I love everybody. I do. And that's a good thing. It is. That's not because I'm special. Mm -mm. Because the Lord Jesus Christ who lives within me is. I love everyone. I'm not going to lie to you and say I like everybody. Sometimes I meet folks at stores. I don't care for them all too much. Yeah, I really don't. There's sometimes I look at people, <laughs> but I do love them. I do love them. I agape love them. A lot of people misunderstand agape love. They think, well, it's just because you care for No, no, no. Agape love is something deeper than that. That's the Holy Spirit, man. That's the love of God. It's deep. It's deep. Because there's a lot of times you love them when you don't like them. And that can happen. That's only through the Lord God. Okay, so God sent his son for all, but because they did not, he's not accepted by all. His God, who's not accepted by all, because God is not accepted by all, therefore he's not the father of all. But he can become our father through Jesus Christ and through him alone. That's the only, it's not by our actions. We already know this, Pastor. You tell us this quite often. Yes, you're right, I do. I have no choice. That has to be. Okay, so in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 6, it does say this. but for us, there is but one God, the Father, from whom all things and for whom we exist. And there is one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. Second Corinthians 6.18. I know I'll go through these quickly, but there's a reason. There's a lot to say. Second Corinthians 6.18. I will be a father to you. This I like. It says to all of us. It says to all of us about salvation. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Yes, he wants to be our father. He wants to be our father. He wants to be the father to everybody. Now, we don't deserve that. We don't deserve that. There are some people in this world who don't have a dad. Not all dads have been there for them, but they can have a father through God. It's a different kind of father, of course. But they can have the Father of God. And here's my favorite. But how, the, how can that happen? How could someone have a father who's not their biological father? We'll get to that in a minute. But through adoption, if nothing else. And it says it perfectly in the book of Romans, chapter 8. Oh, I love the book of Romans. Romans, chapter 8, verses 14 and 15. And it says it perfectly clear through spiritual adoption. Spiritual adoption. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of slavery again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Praise the Lord. You've been adopted by the Lord, and you are his child, and so am I. So you're my brothers and sisters in Christ. Yes, I know you don't want to claim me, but I'm here. I'm here. Every Sunday we have a family reunion. And one day we're going to have the family reunion when we go to heaven, when we all get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that will be. Hallelujah. We get to go see our father. We get to see the father and he's going to line us up and he's got presents 
waiting for us. Oh, how fun that's going to be to get to stand before the Lord and list, lay down our name. How wonderful it's going to be to see our Father. Oh, we get to see our Father, God. I can't wait till that time. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. I cannot wait for that time. Oh, hallelujah. But when all this was going on, God had to choose someone to get it all prepared. And so he chose a man long ago. He says, I need to send my son. So I'm going to choose a father uh, through all the men I see, a man who can be a father. Now, physically speaking, he can't be a dad. He just can't do it. His wife can't be a mama. She's past that time. However, I'm going to make it happen because only I can do it. Now, of course, you're not going to find these words in the Bible. I'm paraphrasing. But he does say it in, in his own way through the word of God. And we're talking, of course, about Abram. Abram, who God made into Abraham. We've talked about him before. But you can see it, and I'm going to give it to you in the, this chapter, chapter uh, of Genesis 18, 16 through 19, when God is speaking about Sodom and Gomorrah, a terrible land that is going on. And yes, we're talking about Abraham. But Abraham's nephew, Lot, we know that Abraham at one time was raising Lot, his nephew. He was with him, taking care of him. Lot went and stayed in Sodom and Gomorrah. And now Lot had been raised correctly, but now he was not. Now he was in another land. He was in another land listening to the ways of the world, listening to other people. And what happens when you start not listening to God and the other people? You know what happens. You start becoming like them. You start listening to the ways of flesh because we all have flesh. We start becoming like that. Oh, not me. Not me. It wouldn't happen to me. Oh, yes, it does. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. But I have the Holy Spirit. Yes. But you don't hear the Holy Spirit when you start backing away. When you start backing away. Because all of a sudden, I mean, you could have, you could have uh, you know, headphones. And I don't care how loud the headphones are. If you set the headphones here, you can't hear them anymore. No matter how loud you got them, you can't hear them because the farther you back away from it, it's not going to work for you. And that's what happened with Lot. But this is what was said to him, to Abraham, Father Abraham, from God, in Genesis chapter 18, verse 16 through 19. Then the men rose up and looked towards Sodom. These men were angels, incidentally. And Abram, Abraham went with them to see them on their way. Then the Lord said, should I hide from Abraham what I am doing? I was wondering if he shouldn't tell him what's going to happen and what is happening. And this is what he says. He says, since Abraham will surely become, listen to this now, since Abraham will surely become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth will be blessed in him. What are you talking about? I'm talking about Jesus Christ. God chose him. God is going to bless all the nations because of Abraham, because God chose him for this very thing. Should I tell him what's going on? Should I tell him what's going on in the world? I've chosen him. Listen to what happens here. He says, I chose him and he will instruct it. This is very important. I chose him, I'm Abraham. I chose him and he will instruct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he, being God, promised him. He's going to bring the children up in the way of the Lord in the household. That's what God chose Abraham to do. 
Can you imagine if God chose Abraham and Abraham decided, okay, I'll do what God told me to do and then not do it? Well, we saw that he did it earlier. We saw that he was listening to his wife. Oh, the pastor, you shouldn't say all that. That's not very politically correct. I don't care about all that. I'm going by the biblically correct right now. That is what happened. He listened to others. It isn't about listening to the wife. It isn't about listening to the neighbor. It's about the fact that he wasn't listening to God. He wasn't listening to God. He wasn't in God's way. And when he did that, trouble. But whenever you listen to the Lord, greatness. And so listen to the Lord God. And we as Christians should listen to Jesus. We should stay pure. We should stay absolute pure. If you are a father here today and a Christian father, you need to be, and I know we have good Christian fathers here. I see you. One, two, three, three, three. I see you. Okay, that was quick counting, but I still see you. You need to be a father of integrity because you are a Christian soldier, a Christian man of God, and your children and your nephews and your nieces, and you need to know, you need to know, fathers at home, you need to know, young men, you need to know, yes, women, you too, you need to know that the world is watching you, and you need to have integrity, integrity, be truthful, be a soldier that stands straight forward for God. Let people know that you're filled with integrity. Make sure you're honest. Make sure that you're filled with integrity, and let's see what the Bible says about that. Well, what does it say about that? Proverbs chapter 20, verse 7. See, she knows. Exactly. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 7 says this. The just man walks in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. And that's what happens. If you raise a child to follow you and be filled with integrity, they will learn from you. I spoke to you and told you that my father taught me well. Does that mean me perfect? Well, no, absolutely not. I have faults. I make mistakes. I have gotten angry. I have said unchristianly, stupidly things. Absolutely. I am not perfect. I have said things, done things, moronically things, gotten in the flesh on many occasions. You pastor, yes, me. Yeah, you've not been perfect. Absolutely. Do I look perfect? No, we all make mistakes. We're all sinful, short of the glory of God. Every single one of us. However, when you have the Holy Spirit, when you've been raised up, when you've been brought up, when you've made the choices to follow the Lord God, God will show you what is right. And that's what you have to do. You have to get back right with the Lord God, and God will do that for you. Now, now, be a man of integrity, fathers. Be a man of integrity. Your children are watching you. Well, if dad, if it's okay for dad to watch pornography, then I'll watch pornography. Be a man of integrity. If it's okay for dad to get drunk, it's okay for me to get drunk. Be a man of integrity. If it's okay for dad to lie and cheat and steal, it's okay for me to lie and cheat and steal. Be a man of integrity. If it's okay for dad to say he loves God and then never live for God, it's okay for me to do the same. No, 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 no. Be a man of integrity. Be a man of integrity. Women, be women of integrity. If it's okay for me to live like trash, or mom and mama to live like trash, it's okay for me to live like trash. No, we need to be of integrity, Christians. We have to be that way. It's the way the Lord wants us to be. We can see what happened throughout the late 40s after the men came home from war. The late 40s into the 50s, we saw that some fathers left home. They came home. Some of them left, started, not a lot, but some started leaving home, started drinking, started cheating and abandoning their families. It didn't happen a lot, but there were some. 
just some, not, not every father. There are many great fathers, many great ones, but some did leave. Some started abandoning here in America. Some started leaving their families. Much of it had to do with post-traumatic stress from World War II. That's what a lot of happened. Well, ones that chose to be drunkards, oh, that's not what their, their goal was. They don't want to go home. I'm going to be a drunk. No, that's not what they did. A lot of it was they wanted to forget the things they went through. And so Satan lies. He lies. He says, oh, a drink's going to help you forget. He says, take this up. Go be with a woman. Do this, do that. You're going to forget about all your problems, but it's a lie. And so he did those things, and it destroyed that family unit. That's what he did to them. That's what he did to them. It happened throughout the 40s into the 50s, and then by the time, by the time all that happened, rebellion started in the late 50s. By the time we get to the 60s, well, we know what happened in the 60s. We know about prayer being taken out of school. We know about since then, boom, 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 boom. Through the decades, we know prayer was taken out of school. We know the Bible was taken out of school. We know what happened since then. We'll talk about that more in the next couple of weeks, so I won't go into it right now. But we know what has happened. And we see less and less of men of God standing up and being fathers and pointing to the Father. We've seen less and less of it. And so we see that more and more of the fathers have abandoned their position of being pointing to the Father. We see less of the Father through the fathers. And this is one of the biggest problems in America today. One of the biggest problems is people don't see the father through their father. That's the problem. So we can see it in 1 John 2.15. It says what? Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him. Is not in him. I'll say it again. 1 John 2.15. Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father, the love of the Father is not in him. Nowadays in America, we have a problem. We have a problem. One of the biggest problems we have, try not to laugh when I say it, liberals. Being a liberal. Now, what does it mean to be a liberal? You might say, well, I'm a liberal. Well, hang on now. Let me, let, me explain to you. let me explain to you what I mean by being a liberal. Let me give you the definition of liberal. Let me explain there's different ways of being a liberal. Being a liberal is this. This is the definition of liberal. A liberal is open to new behavior or opinions and willing to discard traditional values. That is the literal liberal definition. I'll say it again. Open to new behavior or opinions and willing to discard traditional values. Now, there are three types of, of liberals, okay? The, there is either a political liberal. We all know about them. We see them on TV all the time. Political liberals. Most of the time when someone talks about liberals, what they're talking about. A political liberal. You see them all the time. I won't get into all that. I could not go on all day. I won't do that. You'll see all that tonight, I'm sure. But there's political liberals. There are um, theological liberals. That's pretty much religion or biblical liberals, okay? And then there are educational liberals. Now, there are some people who I know of who politically are liberals, 
but they're not necessarily biblical liberals or or nor educational liberals. I know some who want to, you know, I say educational, I'm talking about the fact that they, when it comes to economics and things, they believe in being, uh, uh, they're maybe liberal on everything, except when it comes to economics, then they're conservative. Now, to each their own, and they can, they know the Lord, if, if they're of God, they'll follow God how they choose to. But I will tell you this, it's a dangerous slippery slope, because most of the time, of the liberals that I have met or seen on TV, most of the time, when you're a liberal, you're a liberal all the way or most of the way. And so you got to be very careful about that. I will not say that all liberals are lost. I'm not going to say that. That's between them and the Lord. I've known many liberals who say that they are Christians. I've known many Christians who say that they uh, don't believe that um, that God is real. I've also known many conservatives who do not know the Lord. I've known many conservatives who are very immoral. So what is my point here? My point is, is we don't want to be liberal when it comes to our Christian values. I also know that we don't want liberal values of the Bible to be taught to our children because that is what is destroying America. They're taking biblical values of God and taking it away from our children. That is what is destroying us. It's destroying us. And even in churches, liberal, unbiblical values are being taught, crammed down our throats. It's happening all the time, all the time. They're taking it away, and it's not the way it's supposed to be. They're taking away the ways of God's laws, God's ways. They're taking away our Father, the Father, His morality, the way that He wants us to live. And we should not be that way. That's not the way God wants it to be. In 1 John chapter 2, 1 John chapter 2, I'll go read verse 15. Well, I'm going to read verse uh, 13 through 15 now. Actually, first uh, verses 13 and 14. I won't go into 15. We already read that. It says this. I'm writing to you fathers because you know him who has been from the beginning. I'm writing to you young men because you have overcome the evil one. I have written to you children because you know the father. I have written to you fathers, you know, lowercase f, fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning. I have written to you young men because you are strong and the word of God abides in you, you and you have overcome the evil one. Now, that is from there on where it says, do not be lovers of the world. We need to remember this. We need to know the ways with it. And then what does it say to you fathers out there? To you fathers, it says this, and you've heard it a hundred times before, but we need to remember what it says. It says this, it says, Proverbs 22, 6. Write this down, by the way. Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. What does that mean? That means that he will remember it. Now, if he chooses or she chooses to go their own way and do their own thing, okay, they have that choice. They have the freedom to choose to do what they're going to do, but they're not going to forget it. They're not going to forget it. It's going to stick with them. They're going to remember it. Remember what I told you all ago? I can still hear my dad telling me things. I can still remember almost every little thing he said. Uh, son, shouldn't have done that. It's annoying sometimes. It really is. But I lose my cool. And what's really bad is I sometimes look like him when I do it. I can sometimes hear him as if he's standing next to me. It's like, okay, dad. 
All right. Okay, I know you're right. More importantly, it's because he had the father in him who's within me and telling me the same things. But I can hear it every day. I can hear my dad. And, and thank you, dad. Thank you, dad. Thank you, father, for using my dad to teach me, to train me up in the way I should go because I'd never depart from me. Thank you, dad. Thank you for teaching me the way I should go. Thank you, Robert Frederick Kuntz. Thank you for that very thing. I appreciate it. I really do. I appreciate it. Thank you, the Father, for being with me every day and reminding me. We're to bring him up right, to teach him right from wrong. Oh, I think a child should figure this stuff out on his own. You imbecile. How is a child supposed to know if you don't show them? Well, don't you think he should figure out on his own? Okay, you tell him that whenever he's got a little fork and he's running an electric uh, socket. No, no. And morally, morally, it's the exact same thing. Morally, yeah, but how is he to know? How is he to know unless he did it himself? Okay, tell him that when he gets a sexually transmitted disease. Tell him that when he has five children and now he's got to pay alimony for the rest of his life. Why didn't you show him the right the first time? Well, he got involved with a false uh, you know, a, a false uh, religion and all that, but he had to figure it out for himself. Or you could have showed him the, from the beginning. You could have showed him the whole time. But I wanted him to know for himself and figure it out so you feel so good. Yeah, but he had to go through so much bad that he didn't have to go through because you didn't listen to the father who told you even in his word not to let your child do that. Yeah, but he needs to have wisdom. Then give him the wisdom of the word of God. For pity's sake. Incidentally, I know this is not a popular thing to say, but I'm going to say it nonetheless. Proverbs 19, 18. Chasten your son while there is hope, and let not your soul spare for his crying. Discipline. Discipline them. I know we don't like to discipline. This, by the way, we're not talking about beating the tar out of them. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about that at all. But you got to discipline your kids. Nowadays, a lot of people don't believe in that. But you do need to discipline them. A lot of people used to use these verses for an excuse to beat and whip. The Bible tells us to beat our children. The Bible says to whip and beat them until they cannot sit down. And that's not really what it's saying, actually. It says discipline. However, they're disciplined. He was sorry if you don't. Well, my son knows me. Yeah, he knows how to take advantage of you. Well, my daughter knows me. Yeah, she knows she can do anything she wants. And she knows that she's going to go out and do whatever she wants until she's pretty much ruined herself. And the sad thing is she doesn't have any education, any wisdom, spiritual wisdom especially. And you, if you love them, you're going to do what's right. Love them enough not to make them happy for the moment, but to make them happy for the rest of their life. Don't live for that moment. It says in Proverbs 13, 24, he who spares his rod, listen to this now, Ooh, he who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him early. Ooh, you hear that? That one kind of hurts. The kid's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> and the, the parent's like, no, it hurts us more than it hurts you. That's the stupidest thing I ever heard a parent say. No, child, no. It does. It really does. 
How would you know, Pastor? You're not a parent. I'm not a parent, no. I've watched so many kids, I can't even count. I've taken care of so many kids. I have a ton of nephews and nieces. I love every child I ever met. I'd give my life for any single one of them. I may not be a biological father, but I'm going to tell you something. Every child I meet, I think of them as if I am a father in spirit and heart, and I mean that. I would do anything for any child, if for nothing else but to bring them to the Lord. That's the most important thing anyway. And I would do that because I have a father's heart. Because I live for the father. And the father reaches through me. And he wants to bring you to him. Yes. No, we're not to beat children. We're to instruct them. To instruct them and bring them to Jesus. Psalms 103 verse 13 says, Like a father shows compassion. Oh, listen to this one. Like a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord gives compassion to those who fear him. Who's afraid of him? No, no, no. No, no. Who respect him. Who listen to him. Who follow him. That's what we're supposed to do. Ah, yes. We're not to be afraid. And, And for those fathers out there, and I've known many who think, I want my child to respect me. I want them to be afraid of me. I want them. That's foolish. That's foolish. How can you have a good relationship with your child if they're afraid to come to you and talk to you, especially those who need to have their children come to you and follow you to follow God? You're not to have your children be afraid of the Lord God. They need to know the Lord God. They need to know you. Don't let them be afraid of you. Arms of compassion, wisdom, power of the Lord God. Not, Not your power, God's power. Ephesians 6, 4, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. That's what we're to do. There's so many other things I could read to you today. So many wonderful things of God that we could read today when he says in Proverbs 3, 11 and 12, my son, do not despise. And this is to you youngsters out there. And to us from Father God says, my son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord nor be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, even as a father, the son, in whom he delights. God corrects us because he loves us. The father corrects us. We live in a society nowadays that says, when you love someone, you just let them be who they are. No, when you love them, you want to bring them up right. When you love them, you don't tell them, go on, live a lifestyle that makes you feel good. Because I'm going to tell you something about emotions. Oh, they come. Ooh, they feel so good. And then they don't. And they, they crash. The thing is, oh, eating all those candy bars, boy, they sure do feel good until you get on the scale. And the scale crashes. Oh, let me tell you, I've crashed some scales. But here's the thing. Sin feels good for the moment. And then when you're done with the sin, oh, naughty, naughty, naughty. Satan's scale makes you feel heavy, real heavy. And it can tell you just how heavy the sin scale is. But God, if you listen to God, he will help you to lose that weight of sin, let me tell you. You don't need to continue to do that. Follow the Father. Don't follow all that other stuff because that's a lie. A true Father and, and will follow the Father who will help you to know what to do. We need to be respectful to the Father. Hear, O children, the instruction of a father, 
and attend to no understanding, as Proverbs 4.1. Or Philippians 4.20, Now to God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. One of my favorite verses is Joshua 24.15. Joshua 24.15 is long, but there's the last part of it that usually sticks with us. And as fathers of God, we need to keep that last part with us. I'll say it again, Joshua 24, 15. Yet as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That is correct. We need to bring our children up to follow God. And with that, I don't know if you have a good, close, personal relationship with your dad today, with your earthly father, but know this, that your heavenly father loves you. He loves you. He loves you so very much. He, if you do not know Father God today, you can know him through his son. You can be his child. You may say, oh, I believe he knows me. He knows you. Do you know him? Do you know him? Do you have a personal relationship with him? Because you can. The other thing I want to say to you today is that God loves you so very much. He knows everything about you. He knows all of your strengths and he knows all your faults. But he wants to turn all your faults into strengths because that's what God can do. That's how great the father is. Our Father God is so wonderful that even in your weakest moment, even in the hardest moment, even in the moment when you're being chastened, God can take that and make it the strongest, greatest moment in your life. A while ago, I mentioned my father. I'm going to tell you something about my father. My father, oh, when he was getting on to me, I was scared to death of my father. He had these eyes that would glow. Oh, boy, they glow. But I'm going to tell you something else. He also had hands, hands that looked like they were bigger than Texas. They look so huge. I mean, he could make almost any professional wrestler look small, in my opinion, when I was just a little bitty boy. But these same eyes, these same hands were also used to correct me. And these same eyes were brought to be eyes of compassion and love, eyes of strength, eyes of love, eyes of God. Same hands hands of love that would bring me in and hug me when I needed them. These same hands that I thought were trying to hurt me were also the safest, warmest, most wonderful, soft hands I've ever felt in my life. They could feel rough. They could feel soft. They could feel wonderful. And I never felt safer with anyone in my entire life. And I say this to you. God is the same way. We feel afraid when we think we're in trouble, but in reality, they're the safest hands in the world. God doesn't want to hurt you. The Father loves you. Don't run from the Father. The Father wants to bring you in with those great big hands, those big eyes that look like they're shining, and they're really eyes of love. He sees all about you, and he wants to wrap his arms of love around you right now and bring you safely into the home above. Let's bow in prayer. Dear precious Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank you for loving us, loving us more than we even possibly deserve. Lord, the Father, Father God, you've given us away into your family. Lord, there are many people right now who are suffering because their fathers may have abandoned them. Or their fathers have left them on this earth. Right now, they need love. 
They need compassion. Or perhaps they didn't understand their dad. Maybe their father wasn't there for them in their moments that they needed the most. And they don't know what else to do. Lord, I pray if you can speak to them through a Christian man on this earth, I pray you will. Lord, I pray that right now they will reach out to you into your word and through prayer. And you will reach out to them and speak to them. Lord God, I pray they will feel you and know that Father's Day is more than just a day for our biological fathers, but for you, the Father, and to be thankful for you and for the blessings that you've given us. And Lord God, thank you for the blessings of these wonderful fathers here today and for the fathers at home. I pray that you will bless them with not just a wonderful day, but a wonderful life as they continue to follow you, to lead and guide to follow you. I pray all of this in your precious holy name, Lord Jesus. Amen.